part of the reason we've created um, Shamari, the products as a whole, and the way we have is because we wanted to bring a sense of kind of realness to what, as you know, is a very heavily digital space. One of soccer's legendary players, Johan Cruyff, said this about the game. He said, playing football is very simple, but playing simple football is the hardest thing there is. And when I take that quote and relay it to Bitcoin, this is how it comes out. Understanding Bitcoin is very simple, but simply explaining Bitcoin is the hardest thing there is. And this relates to this episode's guest because Scott from Shamari is doing just that. He's taking the simple idea of Bitcoin and he's found a way to simply explain it to the masses, which I think is a lot more complex than maybe it sounds. So in this episode, we dive into Scott's company, Shamari, and talk about why he founded it, where it is today, and where it's going in the future. Scott's company is also a family company, which I think is really cool to see, especially in the Bitcoin space. Scott, along with his wife and young daughter, are on the forefront of creating great educational materials to make Bitcoin simple and digestible for mass adoption. I'm Jarrett Carpenter, and this is More Than Blockchain. Scott, welcome to More Than Blockchain. How are you? Happy to be here. I'm doing great. Thanks for hopping on. As we were saying off mic or before we started recording, we've been playing, uh, I don't know, uh, What's the new thing for tennis? It's not tennis. It's uh, what's that new sport? <laughs> oh, pickleball. Pickleball. We've been playing pickleball back and forth, trying to find a time that's going to work for both <laughs> of us. So thank, thank you for hopping on. Um, where are you calling from? Where are you out of? We're based out of San Diego, California. So nice sunny day in, in our neck of the woods. You love to see it. You love to see it. So today we're here to talk about something that I'm actually very excited about because I think that this is still a huge part of the space. And it speaks to how nascent the space is, and that is education. And I was reading a little bit on your website, but maybe you want to tell us a little bit about your company and why you founded it. And yeah. Yeah. So um, the company is Shamari, and it was founded by my wife and I. And we also have a, a four-year-old daughter. She actually just went for a couple of days ago. And um, I bring that point up because you know the, the life cycle of, of Charlotte, our daughter, kind of coincides with the company itself. Um, so it was created with her in mind as we started becoming more interested in in Bitcoin um, in 2017, 2018, um, beginning to plan our family and what that would look like. We rec- we both recognized, you know, there wasn't really much of anything out there for in particular young kids and families to be able to start learning about this sort of thing. And so we figured, you know, it could be a fun side project for us to to dive down together um, as we we start having a family of our own. And so that that was the why behind it all. And then since that time, um, April of 2020 was the launch of our first product. Um, and kind of since that time, been able to to keep building and growing um, alongside of our daughter, who's, who's now um, present um, in the space and helping us uh, be able to, to keep going. April in 2020, you launch. And that is quite a time to launch a business. <laughs> when you look back, you know, in 10 years, you're like, wow, you launched yeah. in April 2020. But in some sense, it was almost the perfect time to launch uh, an e-commerce-based business, right? So what were you and your wife doing before and how was that transition? Because the story in my head is you had the idea in 2019, you guys were doing your own thing, maybe something different, maybe together, maybe a different business or enterprise. But then when you dove in, you kind of dove in maybe 
all the way or were you still keeping stuff kind of going? I feel like you dove in all the way. And if you did, was it almost a perfect moment to kind of jump into something that you can do from your home? Yeah. So it definitely was a, an odd, but perfect time to launch, like you said. Um, and so I, when I say launch, that's when the website went live and we started taking orders. So we'd been planning things out. It took about a year to be actually create the game, go through the mechanics of it, um, you know, graphics, manufacturing, everything between nothing we'd ever done before. And so being able to to launch, you know, right when the world turned upside down really did kind of helped us get to where we are today in the sense that, you know, we were all were forced to be in our house. Uh, we had at that time almost a one-year-old. And so we were balancing, uh, my wife had her full-time job. I had my full-time job. Um, we were launching this, this side project and we had a almost a one-year-old um, to be able to, to take care of. And, you know, it kind of all just kind of worked synergist um, and working out that way. And both of us um, prior to this, my wife still has a full-time job. So she works in the call it the counseling space. She helps disabled teenagers um, as they're thinking to what's next post high school. Um, so whether that's jobs or certifications or degrees, um, so she helps in that transition um, as her job. And prior to Shamari, I was um, at a ed tech startup here for 13 years. So neither of us are teachers by trade. We do have lots of teachers in our family as well, but we both had kind of the, the education background to be able to, to understand that. And as we thought about our future family, um, we were both passionate about kind of the homeschooling side of things, um, which then also kind of plays into everything that's happened for many people around the world since that time. And, uh, you know, transitioning from public schools into maybe bringing things home and, and keeping that more close knit. Yeah, all that makes sense. And you know, when I was when I was reading about your story about you, Mallory and Char- Mallory and Charlotte, I was like, "Whoa, this is crazy!" Because Charlotte's going to grow up in a world similar to the world that you and I probably grew up in, where it was like, "Oh yeah, the internet is a thing." Maybe when we started out with the internet, it was AIM or email or maybe MySpace, but it, we were always kind of internet native. And now she's growing up in a world where she's going to be Bitcoin native. And I want to know when you and Mallory got into Bitcoin. How long ago was that before 2019? Or was it in 2019 you got into it and you were like, whoa, there's no kids books. There's no like education for all ages. Yeah. So it was uh, my interest began kind of in that 2017, 2018 bull run. So really kind of the end of it. So say December 2017. So, you know, at the time we had been married for a year or so. And she was, Mallory was supportive of of my interest and whatever financial obligations we we went that direction. But she wasn't interested personally. Um, and if she was here, she would tell you, you know, it wasn't until we started creating this together that her interest peaked and being able to, um, in particular for her, go out and meet people in person, be at, whether it's at, you know, small meetups or be at conferences, um, hear directly from, you know, the families that were, you know, that are using our products. Um, that's really what drives, um, both of our passions, but in particular hers, uh, that really got, got interested. And so it was, it's been a fun, fun journey to go down together. Yeah, it looks it looks crazy. And actually, I want to talk about now something. So on the website, and at the end, I'll let you shout out where people can get in touch. But the website's really easy to find because it's just shamari.com. And when you're on there, there's a really cool thing. There's under the videos tab, there's how to play Shamari. And I watched that twice and I was blown away. And so my question is, from your start in 2019, when you started with the idea, when you sat down in the kitchen table and say, hey, honey, what, what about this idea? to where it is today. I mean, in my head, it's like 50 different iterations to get that thing perfect, just the way that it all really works seamlessly. And I will definitely buy 
a Shamri set, I promise, because I want to <laughs> play it. I think it will allow me also to understand Bitcoin is a little bit on, on a deeper level. So how many iterations are we talking? I mean, I don't know if you wrote them down, but what do you think? Yeah, I would probably say somewhere between 10 and 15, when you think, when it's all told together. And really the the biggest iteration aha that we we had was at the beginning. So for people don't know that don't know, everything that we've created since that time is using these Bitcoin monster characters throughout. They're in the game and then they're throughout everything we do. But prior to that, um, the game itself was played. Um, it's played similar to the game memory. So a lot of it has to do with the, you know, similar to memory games. And on the actual cards being used that you're supposed to memorize was way too much detail. So we were trying to actually put down, you know, details of, of blocks and height and that sort of thing. Um, and it, as we played it um, with the people we, we tested out with, our, our core family members, um, you know, one, it wasn't fun. And two, it was just way too hard. Like our brains, nor, a normal person's brain doesn't really work like that, where you're looking at so much detail to then be able to memorize. Um, so the biggest aha was really that, that image-based visualization that we brought to life through the cards, through the monsters. That was the biggest twist. But yeah, there's probably 10 to 15. Um, a lot of them, you know, were just literally me doing, you know, shitty graphics <laughs> on, <laughs> on, on Word documents or whatever, and then, you know, cutting them out, uh, cardboard paper or whatever, just to pretend like you're playing. Um, and then we probably had a few, you know, two or three that were actually printed prior to the, the current one uh, that's done in, in mass production. That's super cool. Cause I, I'm looking at that thing and I'm like, yeah, it looks very simple. And I'm wondering what is like the amount of information one needs to play? I'm assuming it's zero, but it's kind of like card games, right? If you think about playing Texas Hold'em, you need yeah. a really certain level of information and understanding to be able to engage with that. However, Uno you can learn in under three seconds. Now, if those are the two things where we have Texas Hold'em on one side and Uno on the other, I'm assuming it's really close to Uno, but is there a demographic that this is kind of ideal for? That's a great, great analogy. And so from an age-based, we kind of like saying age four on up through adults, we do have drinking game instructions that are on the website. So, you know, it, it can be that, but age right, age around four, and it is closer to the Uno. So first off, you need to know zero about Bitcoin going into this. And what we like to say is if you and your children can play memory, like literally just the game of memory, then you can play this game. The only twist is, as you saw from, from watching the video is there's uh, pieces around, you know, you're, you're building a blockchain, you're mining a blockchain, um, you're earning rewards. Uh, there's a difficulty adjustment that can happen. You're rolling a dice. So you need to, in particular, watch the video, um, do that once or twice, you know, it's a couple of minutes long and you'll be able to get it you know, like that. Um, and, you know, once you have that down, then you're, you're good to go. So it can sound more complicated than it actually is, but really at the heart of it, it's, it's just a memory game. And then how long does it take it to play? And, and the reason why I ask this is because my entire life, and I have no idea how old you are, but I will, I will age myself here. I'm 36. In my entire yeah. life, everything like sports to card games, everything just becomes shorter, right? Yeah. We now have TikToks, right? We had Vines for a while, which were only six second clips. We even have changed the rules of America's pastimes. So that way it goes quicker because people are just like, we're not going to sit, you know, we're not going to go watch the, uh, you know, the Red Sox play San Diego and sit there for five, six, seven, eight hours. So what is the average time that the game lasts? Yeah. Do you think, or do you know? Yeah, no, definitely. And actually that's one of the nice things. So part of 
the um, game that's determined prior to even you start playing is the concept of a difficulty adjustment. And so you can make that harder or easier, depending on particular, you know, are you playing with a young child or is it a bunch of adults together? So that's one factor. Um, so if you're playing with, let's say you're using zero difficulty adjustments and you're adults, you can play it in a, in a couple of minutes, um, you know, as long as you have an adequate memory there. But if you start playing it, you know, with, we like saying three is a good starting point um, for in there. And, you know, then you're talking maybe 10 or so minutes, you know, for that normal game, 10, 15 minutes to go through, which is nice. So families can sit down, they can play a couple of games, maybe after dinner or, or that sort of thing, or before dinner, or just to quickly pass the time. But that kind of 10, 15 minute is kind of a sweet spot that uh, we hear back. Yeah. 10, 15 minutes is actually, it's, it's ironic. I was looking the other day at like the the optimal YouTube time. And if you're trying to monetize, and I think it's around 12 minutes. So 10 to 15 is just perfect. And I, yeah. I say YouTube as an optimal time to give us an idea because YouTube is 35% of the storage on the internet. Like it is the second biggest other than Google search engine. So it really is a place that kind of gives you an idea of the meta conscience of the internet and their, uh, you know, maybe attention span. So that 10 to 15 makes sense. Let's talk about some of the other things because you also have books, which I find fascinating. And I will be off mic. We'll be talking about that because I have friends with, too, I have too many friends with too many little kids. And I know that uh, the, I, what's it, uh, Goodnight Bitcoin, obviously a play of Goodnight Moon. And then if you give, uh, you know, it's not, a, if you give a mouse a cookie, it's a, I believe is you give a monster a Bitcoin, right? So yes. talk to me about the development of that, you know, and if you could, I would love to know which one sells more out of those two books. So great question. Those were our two books and kind of playing off of the, uh, the Charlotte angle. So we had made the card game, obviously, April of 2020. She was definitely too young to play then, being just just one. But the fact that you avid readers to her um, at that time, we realized, okay, you know, let's, let's create something next that's going to really fit where she's at. Um, because we know there's so many other parent, parents out there. So that's where the ideas of the book came through. Um, and one thing people that are parents that read to their children will know is you you definitely want books that you're going to enjoy too. There's lots of really bad kids books out there. And so, uh, you know, we've read plenty of the, like you mentioned, Goodnight Moon, Goodnight Baseball, Goodnight Gorilla. Um, that was, so we kind of went down that angle with Goodnight Bitcoin. So that was the first one, uh, which would have been in August of 2021. So a little over a year after the, um, the book came out is when that launched. And that book in particular tells the story of Satoshi and Hal. So they're the two monster characters that we've named thus far. And they go through the process of creating Bitcoin together with their friends, um, hearing how people think they can't do it, um, and then ultimately succeeding. So it's kind of the story of the creation of Bitcoin. And then the follow-up to that, which is if you give a monster a Bitcoin, which came out last September, so like September um, 2022, is if you give a monster a Bitcoin. And that really tells the story of the different layers of good that Bitcoin could potentially do in the world as it um, as it spreads around. So they're a nice one-two punch. To your question, we've sold more of Goodnight Bitcoin only because it kind of had that year head start. It sounds like a cop-out answer, but for example, like when we were in uh, Miami last month, it's about 50-50 between people grabbing one or the other. Obviously, there's a lot of people who then are coming because they have one of them. They have Goodnight Bitcoin maybe from the year prior, so that they're getting the new one. So it's always good to to kind of have that that fresh lineup out there for people to to grab things, um, and the books are definitely a, a popular one. So 2021 we have Goodnight Bitcoin. 2022 we have If You Give a Monster a Bitcoin. These are just awesome names. 2023, <laughs> not to put any pressure on you, but you're coming up on the year since you launched the last one, which is which was in September of 2022. Yeah. 
Are you going to, you know, is the idea to continue to drop books as though they were like albums or is there <laughs> going to be, you know, like what's the, what's the future development look like? I like that analogy. And so there's definitely other book ideas that we have in our head and, and products in general. Uh, right now, our, our main focus over the start of 2023 has been our, um, what we call our chamois, which is our, our plush toy that we launched uh, with the Bitwood Bitcoin Foundation. Um, and so that's our, our biggest focus right now. And then like with everything else in life, it's it's a resource <laughs> constraint. So, you know, we, we've literally run this company, like you know, everything that comes in is just going into creating the next project that's out there. And so, you know, as those things pick up, as the Bitcoin market picks up, uh, we typically see kind of those more sales are trickling in. It's really funny, you know, when you're not paying for marketing um, and your your biggest way to get it is through Twitter and these sorts of conversations, our website organic traffic, literally, you could probably map it with the Bitcoin price over the past few years. Like that's that's just how it works. And I've talked to other people in this space. I'm sure you would podcast downloads. It's, it's the same thing. So, you know, as, as that starts picking up, I'm sure everything will heat up and that'll let us keep dropping those, <laughs> those books like albums and everything else. Yeah, for sure. I, I was on a call this morning with a UK group that does, let me see if I can get this, this right. Crypto gaming and skateboarding. Um, that's okay. kind of like their thing they have, they've launched two NFTs. They've sold out. They're, they're doing pretty well there. And we were having that conversation this morning that we're like in a survive to thrive moment because we just need to survive now knowing yep. that when the price goes up, when the market rebounds, when the printing happens, like whatever it needs to happen to push the market back up, then all of a sudden, as you said, more than blockchain will be a little bit hotter, right? Yes. Shamari will be a little bit hotter and so on and so forth. And that brings me to, to my curiosity. And I know that you went to Bitcoin Miami this year. I was supposed to go. I wasn't able to go. And which was it's tough to see Twitter when you're not at one of these <laughs> events because the FOMO is kind of real. But did you notice a difference between 2021, 2022, and 2023, not only in sales, but maybe just in overall energy? So energy-wise, no. The, uh, the energy was there both years. So we've been going for the past three years. So 2021 was our first First year, uh, we had no idea what to expect. We at that time we just had our card game, um, so we rolled up. Um, we didn't even have an official spot to set up. We had made friends with Des, who's now at Thunder Games. Uh, prior to that, she was at Mint Gox, and they had a, a gaming area. And she was kind enough to say, "Hey, you know, if you want to set up on a literally a four foot by two foot table um, inside our our arena, um, you're welcome to." So we sat up there and for, I think that one was only two days, two days long um, and just nonstop, just talking and talking and talking. We're like, okay, there's something here. And so that was kind of the, the biggest energy aha. And so then last year, um, obviously population wise or uh, attendee wise, I should say, was the biggest one, one yet. And we were in the uh, Bitcoin Bazaar area, same sort of thing. You're just nonstop talking all day, people coming over, chatting and just kind of fun going on everywhere. And then this year, you know, even though it was, you know, say half the size, the energy was still there, especially where they placed the bazaar. Once again, was kind of right next to the main stage and their official booth. So it was in an area with had a lot of popula popu uh, population traffic walking by. We had a, a nice spot on the corner, main spot next to Crypto Cloaks and uh, Bitcoin for Panties, who are both awesome groups that are out there. And we love being close by with them. And so even though it was a smaller group, the, the energy was there, the focus was there. And this was the first year that we actually brought Charlotte along with us. So that um, 
you know, made for a whole new dynamic. We had no idea what to, she's very much a mature for her, her age, but you know, when you, when you put a then three-year-old in that sort of setting and three days of, of being out of booth for 10 hours, um, you have no idea what to expect, but she was a, a rock star. Um, she was selling bracelets for donation um, and did quite well herself. And so you know, it was a, a completely new experience this year that, you know, we plan, I think she would definitely um, be very hurt if she's not at every future conference we go at, go to. <laughs> I definitely think she'll be, she's, she's, she's a part of the team, so she should be there. And I haven't looked on the website, but this just occurred to me. And this is more of like a behind the scenes question. And I'm hoping you'll indulge me. Do you, first question is, do you accept Bitcoin for the books and for the games? Yep. So Bitcoin or credit cards, whatever you want. Bitcoin or credit cards. Okay. My question is now, and this is more of a business question and where I hope that you'll indulge me. Yeah. Do any of your vendors, the people that are going to put the book together, the people that are going to do all that work who put the card games together, do they accept Bitcoin? They do not. So none of them, the only one that does. Um, so one of the products we resell um, is uh, called Sats Ledger. Um, it's by a gentleman, NTC BTC on, on uh, Twitter. And so he's out of the UK. Um, and so for the past couple of years, uh, we've just had a whole, a really simple wholesale arrangement where, you know, they'll give me the whole wholesale price. I'll sell it. it. Makes it easier for the states for people to grab it. So with him, um, you know, those are Bitcoin transactions. But with everything else, these are larger manufacturers that they're on the traditional side of things. Yeah, that was just one of the curiosities that I have because you know, as this grows and in 2025, a year out from the having, which is happening now, less than a year till 2024 yep. having. The story in my head is that there's going to be a lot of people who have business models where it's just going to get kind of funky really quick, where they're going to start, you know, maybe right now you're making 2%, 3%, 4%, 5% in Bitcoin. Maybe that's how people are paying. But the story in my head, especially now with Lightning being so kind of everywhere, that, yeah. you know, some business models, maybe you're going to have 50% in Bitcoin, which isn't going to be a bad thing as the price appreciates. But it's also like, I think maybe trying to balance the books would be a little bit weird if you were getting 50 to 60% in Bitcoin, right? Yeah, it definitely is. It's, um, it's a dilemma because on the Bitcoin side of things, we've always tried to just hold the Bitcoin and use the fiat to be able to um, pay for the expenses. That, that's just been the motto. And we've been able to successfully do that sort of thing. But over the past, in particular year, I would say, there's been a much larger shift in Bitcoin payments, either through the website or on person. I would say we're talking about on person um, in 2021. It was probably about, I would say, 30% of the sales, like at Bitcoin Miami, would be Bitcoin transactions, and the other 70% fiat. With and we didn't expect this going in. I don't know why not, but um, a large percentage of cash transactions. Yeah, like I said, we rolled up there. We probably had like. $30 in, in, in bills to be able to give people um, change with. So we had to quickly think on our feet there. So we learned that uh, dynamic going into the, the past couple of years. But then over the past year, so going back to uh, Miami last year and then a couple of weeks ago, or I guess a month ago now, I would say it's about 50-50 Bitcoin to, to fiat. And you know it's, it's awesome to see. Most of that's enlightening on, in person. We probably had three on-chain transactions um, this year in Miami. And then the rest just people doing lightning, uh, which is cool. But like you said, it is a, from a business standpoint, a dilemma in the sense that, okay, you don't want to sell it, especially now, because you know where it's all going, but you got to pay, you know, it didn't, it's not cheap for, you know, a family of three to, to get to Miami and pay for a booth and send all this inventory. And so you got to figure it out somehow. Yeah, exactly. And I'm, and I'm glad you, and, and thank you for 
you know, speaking to that, because I do think that that's something that is going to become an issue. I was talking with someone the other day and that kind of came up the whole idea. Well, if we can't pay our vendors with this thing that we're getting paid for, it gets kind of funky quick. Even if the price were to be appreciating, it's kind of like, how do we balance the books? You know, like the, the, the small business, the behind the scenes of the economics, I think gets kind of funky. And so uh, I wanted to touch upon that. Moving forward, are you going to get into any kind of digital products? We've already, um, in particular, the game, you know, people have always asked, oh, you know, can you turn it into an app or things like that, which you definitely can. But part of the reason we've created um, Shamari, the products as a whole, and the way we have is because we wanted to bring a sense of kind of realness to what, as you know, is a very heavily digital space, um, especially as we, you think about, you know, our, our focus is families and family time. And so giving people another way to, you know, sit behind a screen wasn't our first um, choice. And so that's why we've kind of gone physical to begin with. Um, obviously, that also comes up with dilemmas around shipping and storage. You know, we're, we don't have a large place here in San Diego. It's not the cheapest place in the world to live. So definitely having to figure out, you know, where, where do all these things go <laughs> um, is, a, is a problem. So there's that side of things. We do, um, on the kind of the bigger bang side of things for, for Shama, we envision the monsters in particular as a very, very strong part of our brand and having those come to life in things like video games or television shows or movies um, are ways that we can, you know, co-brand with other groups that are out there. And we've had, you know, beginning discussions with, with certain people around some of that. And hopefully, you know, as the, the bull market continues to pick up, I think those conversations will probably be easier to have. Um, you know, over the past two years, it's been a, a lot of things have disappeared um, on those conversations because those people are probably not there anymore or just they don't have the resources. So on the digital side, it's more apt, like you see these characters being digitized in a lot of different ways to be able to to come to life and and help teach people, you know, our daughter knows who Satoshi is because of, I know people can't watch him, but because of this, like because of the characters in the books, um, she knows what the, you know, the Bitcoin symbol looks like because of a visual look to everything. Um, and so those little things as she and all these other kids grow up, that's the sense of comfort that they're going to have to your point earlier, like they're just growing up with it. And so it's not going to be something weird. And if our, you know, if our small role in that is them saying, oh, you know, I remember when I was a kid, I used to sleep with a plush toy named Satoshi. Then that, that's all like that. Then we've done it. That's just absolutely crazy. People can't see me either. My response to that of like, yeah, you know, I grew up with my little stuffed animal name. You know, yeah. I call them Sats, right? Like we're Sats. Yeah. That's wow. That's the world we're living in. And it's, it's awesome. Because when yep. I saw the characters, the first thing that came to my mind in the world we live now with BRC20 and ordinals was like, oh, that's got to be an ordinal project, right? Like that's got to be totally snapped up by somebody and, you know, a collaboration done between, you know, Shamari and someone else. So is, is that kind of along the lines as far as? Yeah. Who knows? Like, I, I don't even know where it would go, but yeah, I, that sort of thinking, whether it's just digitized pictures or, you know, in our minds, we really want to just kind of let these things live however they will benefit the people the most. And, you know, we're always open to having those conversations with people. So, you know, if people are out there listening and they just want to chat about ideas, you know, my DMs are open. Shamari's DMs are open. Emails are always out there. So we're, we're pretty easy to get a hold of. And now I'd love to give you that chance to shout out where people can find you. I've already shouted out the website a little bit, but please go ahead and share that. And also, uh, you know, Shamari's probably, uh, Shamari's, excuse me, Shamari's Twitter and then your own personal Twitter or, or just wherever the DMs are open. Totally. And actually, uh, before that, I mentioned it a few times. So the, the latest product that we have is the, the Shammy. 
which is our plush toy that looks like uh, it's Satoshi. And then the front of it, if people can go to the website and see it, it has the continent of Africa on there. And so for that particular project, we've partnered with the Built with Bitcoin Foundation, who we've worked with for a few years now, but this is our, our biggest um, collaboration yet, where we're attempting to, to fund an entire water well in Africa. And so for each of these plush toys um, that gets purchased, 21% of the gross sale um, is getting donated uh, directly to the Built with Bitcoin Foundation with a goal of raising $7,000. Um, which would give us enough to, to build that, that well down there. And so we're about 40% of the way there. I think about $3,000 has been raised over the first two months or so, which is awesome. Um, and so if people are interested in that, hit the website, check it out. People can buy the toy for themselves, or if you don't have children, or if you're a company in the space, you can also just gift the plush toy to a child down there and we'll handle all of that. So we have a gifting option where you can do one or, or batches of 30 and we'll deliver them down there to the kids, which is is awesome to see. And one of the, you know, Yusuf from the Build the Bitcoin Foundation is, is an awesome guy. And the coolest things he told us, he delivered the first ones about a month ago, right before the conference. And for many of these kids, it's literally the first time they've ever had a plush toy of any kind. And so seeing them smile and, and get so excited is cool. So there is that side of it. And then, but yeah, our website is shamory.com, S-H-A-M-O-R-Y. And you'll find all our information there. We do ship worldwide. Obviously, the international shipping can be pricey. Nothing we, much we can do about that. There are a few resellers around, the, um, particularly in the UK and Canada, that you may be able to find our stuff at. Um, Play Shamari is our handle across social channels, Twitter, Facebook. Don't think you want me to read an NPUB from Noster. So we are we are on Noster there. Um, feel free to, to track us down. Um, and then myself, um, I'm Scott M. Sibley um, on Twitter. And you know, for those that or email is just scott at shamari.com. Excellent. I will throw all those links in the show notes. And Scott, this has been a pleasure. I, I really, this is one of those things that I couldn't have foreseen come out of Bitcoin, <laughs> but I'm really glad that it has. And I think it's going to continue to grow and really spark, you know, it really hits a nerve with people because education and making sure that the younger generation or any generation is kind of on board. And I think all your products allow more people to come around the table that maybe couldn't before because Bitcoin can seem intimidating to people. So thanks for hopping on. Thanks for having me on. It was great to be here. And thanks for uh, hearing the story, everyone. Thanks for checking out this episode of More Than Blockchain. And to get in touch with Scott, go ahead and check out the episode show notes. As always, please follow us on social media at More Than Blockchain. And if you enjoyed this episode, go ahead and share it with a friend, especially if you have young kids or know someone that has young kids. These two books are wonderful ways to be able to introduce the idea of Bitcoin to the next generation. No matter where you're listening to the pod, please go ahead and subscribe. Thanks so much for checking out this episode of More Than Blockchain, and I'll see you next time.